You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm Ken Smith, Certified Financial Planner and a co-host on Empirical Investing Radio. My partner and compadre, Ethan Broga, is also a Certified Financial Planner with a Master's Degree in Financial Planning. He is a titan in the industry. Good afternoon, Ethan. (laughs) Hey, Ken. How's it going today? (laughs) Oh, good, good. Excellent. And a very nice day in the market today. Man, no kidding. Excellent. Uh, you can give us a call here at uh, live. We are we are broadcasting live from the Empirical Tower in Seattle. Uh, if you want to give us a call, it's one. I'm just kidding. It's not the Empirical Tower, but I like saying that. Someday it will be. Eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. That's eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. You can email us, uh, shoot us a message, and we'll get it right now, I believe, while we're on. So if you have any questions or comments that you want us to address while we do this program today, shoot us an email. I mean, you're probably hanging out. Maybe you're at work. Take a break from uh, Facebook for a minute and uh, shoot us an email with a financial question. Um, contact at empiradio.com. <laughs> People don't Facebook at work, do they? Uh, I don't, you know, I, I did read some studies about that. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, there's an inordinate amount of productivity that gets lost throughout the day in the uh, work environment. I see. You know, chatting and uh, with friends on, uh, yeah. and also viewing and updating social media. But you know, now that you mention it, we have a Facebook page, I believe. Isn't that um, on, on uh, um, my face? Uh, well, I think your face is on the page. I don't. I don't know. Oh, I, um, I spent a lot of time at home once going over uh, my face. You, you've heard of that? No. All oh, right. No. What is that? I'm thinking. I'm just confusing uh, Facebook. Sorry. Oh, okay. I, I'm sure your wife goes is on Facebook frequently, right? I, I think she is uh, on there once in a while. I would be concerned about that. But anyway, uh, Simon, what's our? Is it just a Facebook uh, empirical search up empirical. And we have a blog, and I know um, yeah. we update articles and things, and we're always going to be adding to our website and putting tools for our listeners to to utilize on there. So I know you do a little number about uh, the ways we can help you, uh, our listeners, Ethan. Yeah, okay. sure. Yeah, as before, and I think we do the same thing today. This is our third live show uh, that we've been doing, and uh, if you call or email today while we're on the air, uh, you will be the happy recipient of one of my favorite investment books. So I think I'd offer that up for the first first five people today. Well, let's do it. So if you just shoot us an email even, yep, and we'll get you a book out. Um, separately, though, if you're interested in, in seeking some, some unbiased uh, financial guidance for investments or financial planning purposes, we'd, we'd love to help you. We'd love to sit down and understand more about your situation and help you reach what you're trying to do. Um, and again, you can reach us here at contact at empiradio.com or uh, 866-472-5790. 
Uh, that's actually the hotline for the, the radio program. If you'd like to reach us after hours, so maybe not on the air, uh, feel free to call us at our <laughs> empirical headquarters in Seattle at 800-923-4307. And, of course, if you're also a, uh, uh, a professional adv- phone call already, Oh, Ken's playing tricks on me. Sorry about that. Uh, All right. If you're a professional advisor out there looking to partner up with a very well-established firm that has uh, the systems and, and capacities to enable you to spend more time directly working with clients and less time on compliance and, and rebalancing and other things like that, uh, we would love to, to speak with you as well. Just reading in the investment news uh, periodical, they often report on brokers shuffling money back and forth between the large wirehouses. So uh, Merrill just lost a very, um, I guess, a team that had a very large book of business and um, to uh, J.P. Morgan, Smith Barney, I think it was. Oh, and then, I see. But then at the same time, they're coming back. Um, you know, I, I really don't like the way that those those deals goes down where clients become commodities that get yeah. traded between brokerage firms right. for whoever, whichever, instead of the approach of, uh, hey, wh- where's the best place for my money to be? You know, my to the from the client to the advisor perspective, I would want my advisor to be putting my money um, and investing me in the way that removes as many conflicts of interest as possible, but affords me the greatest opportunity of cost efficiency and return opportunity in a in, a, in an area where the, the advisor can provide sound advice. Ultimately, though, what I see. And all you have to do is read any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that advisors are moving uh, clients' money from place to place based on payouts, and uh, who who will give them the biggest bonus to uh, move their book of business around? And uh, it seems to be the dirty underbelly of that industry, which we uh, purposely avoid and don't work in a broker-dealer affiliation right. kind of a situation. So, I, again, if you're a client that's in that, and maybe that doesn't doesn't sit well with you, I, I know we'd love to work with you. Our our methodology is everything is clear and uh, and upfront. You know, yep. we get paid on an hourly basis to do financial planning, or we get paid uh, very straight and forward management fee to do ongoing investment management, and the fees that we charge. Uh, com- all expenses combined are much lower than the average no-load mutual fund. That's right. Which doesn't give you any specific one-on-one financial advice. Um, so for that very same fee, we include all the financial planning work and expertise mm-hmm. that we bring. Uh, I'd also it's an enormous this- value, Ethan. I, I can't disagree with that. I don't understand how those other models continue to function. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder how many people are aware that there are other options out there. It must be a situation where... Uh, Maybe people just aren't aware of, hey, there's there are independent folks out there who aren't connected to a broker-dealer specifically that really have no ties of any kind other than to help you achieve your goals. You know, and while we're on that topic, Ethan, I'm glad you brought it up. I see these uh, these lists that advisors tout on their um, websites or on their cards or in their materials about being nominated as the, you know, or awarded the Barron's Top 100 Advisory thing or right. – Local Five magazines, star. publications. Yeah. yeah, and ultimately, I just want to let the public know um, it's not a situation, and I was just reading for curiosity's sake to determine, hey, is that something we should ever look at? 
uh, how barons, and I have it right here if you're interested, but uh, it was, you know, how, how do you, how do they define um, who gets the top barons, top 100? And it's primarily based on commission ratings or uh, financial uh, metrics. Not The one thing they, they, they're clear about is that we exclude any evaluation of performance between the managers. So you can be in the top 100 advisors apparently with Barron's and have the worst investment performance uh, of every advisor in the entire investment universe <laughs> because they don't want to get into that. But as long as that advisor is a good salesperson and, and gets a lot of people to put money and I know Bernie Madoff did a phenomenal job of raising money. Indeed. Um, it seems odd to me that it, it's based on the metrics of the financials of the, the actual advisor, not how profitable they are, for right. example. And not things like, well, what kind of advice, what level of advice, what level of expertise or credentials do they bring to the table? How do they charge their clients? So... Um, there may be some opposite stuff working there that, hey, geez, if I'm highly profitable, maybe because I'm charging a lot, not necessarily because I'm doing well with my investments for my clients. Well, or pres- Presumably, you can sell uh, uh, sell only variable annuities and do very, very well, right? But I is, guess presumably. Is a variable, variable annuity the best um, thing for every single client you work with? I don't know. So all, all I'm, I, all, I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean to diminish any of those awards, but sometimes it's a function of simply paying to be in the, I mean, we get hit constantly with these things, and it it's a function of paying to be in the list. Right. Um, and so I just don't want anyone to be fooled into thinking that there was some rigorous process that the advisors had to go through. Um, and I know, for example, to, to be a part of a certain uh, planning organization that you involved in, you had to actually produce a financial plan. And uh, demonstrate that you had a certain level of knowledge and expertise, and I'm assuming that was evaluated by other financial professionals, not a, not somebody in charge of a magazine, right? Or you're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Well, maybe you can clarify for me. I thought you were in the NAPA organization, for example. Oh yes, right. Uh huh. Yes, that's but, exactly right. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're right. To, to get a, be a part of that particular uh, organization, uh, unlike others, you do have to go through a specific uh, uh, application process and actually submit a complete financial plan. And they have not just an outline of what you think is in that financial plan, but, hey, here's the list that we want to see inside the financial plan. It's a document. It's like four pages long in small type that tells you, hey, this is what we want to see. Yeah. And if, if we approve that, we think it's reasonable work, we will then uh, approve you to be a part of our organization. So it isn't like you, you simply sign up and pay the fee and you're all done. It's hey, we really want to make sure you're who you say you are. If you're going to have our, you know, your our insignia on your Seal business card, approval, basically, as yeah. it were. Um, and make sure also that you're fee only. There's no not fee based, not commission based, but fee only. Okay. Well, I just I just thought I I mean I know one of the things I have been reluctant to participate in those kinds of things. Well, I know they help other advisors market their business or whatever. Uh-huh. But I've always felt a little strange about just paying to be on some list that now I can call myself an X mini star advisor or right. I'm on the top so and so's list when really it's not a result they don't really care about my investment results or how well I can do planning or it's more a function of am I a good salesperson and I'm not quite sure I understand how that relates to picking an advisor but yeah. I thought on the show today we're going to take a break here in a second Ethan but okay. uh, I thought we could talk about uh, the market recap of the day I mean. What happened? 
Uh, we've been in this negative period and go through some of the key asset classes. Okay. And talk about that in, in maybe uh, in relation to performance benchmarking. You know, if you're looking at your portfolio and you're making decisions on should I stick or move, uh, how should you do that? We could talk about some year-end tax management ideas as we're rounding the last quarter here. Sounds good. Um, some client questions or listener questions that I have about private real estate investments or um, other things. And there was a 401k rule. So we'll take a break and we'll come right back. Sounds great. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Okay, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. Ethan, welcome back, mi amigo. Good to be here. Excellent. Hey, uh, I thought we could just kind of do a recap here. What what happened in the market uh, today? 
All right. So I thought maybe we could hop on down to the exchange. I know you like the action, the activity. Oh, it, it is exciting down there. I, and, I do uh, like it. I thought maybe I could kind of go over some of the general news, and then you could give some specifics on some of the asset classes that we monitor. Okay. Um, when we construct our globally diversified portfolios for clients. You got it. So, uh, yeah, let's hop on down there. Open the door there. And uh, It's a busy day down here today. There's a lot of things happening. Uh, a lot of moving and shaking. Um, <laughs> is that Jean-Claude Van Damme? Yeah, I, I think it is here. So, um, he's a great guy. Let's check it out here. Let's check it out. It was a rocking day in the market, though. It, yeah, it was. Pretty incredible. Yeah. Here we go. The Dow Jones uh, was up, what, 330, 339 points or so, um, close to 3%, and uh, moving above, for the first time, the level of 12,000 uh, since early August. Yeah, August 1st, it looks and, like. And uh, with today's move, the Standard & Poor's 500 index um, re-entered t- positive territory for this for 2011. Oh, that's great. So that's a happy happy time. Yeah. And uh, a lot of this was because of the news in Europe, uh, hopefully an agreement coming to fruition with the uh, Greek debt situation. Right, right. So uh, there's going to be a bailout, and also they agreed that uh, they look to get a 50% write-down on on, uh, the sovereign debt. It is interesting that uh, compared to the U.S. market, which was up a lot, the international markets, the IFA, up 5.5% today. 5.5%. International large cap value, 5.7% today. Whoa. So even almost double that of uh, That's explosive. It's amazing. Well, what are you going to do? So, like you said, the the market, you know, um, was recovering. We had some information out. I know on our uh, stuff in economic news, our initial report on third quarter gross domestic product showed U.S. growth accelerated over the summer, rising at an inflation-adjusted annual rate of 2.5% July through September. Oh, that's inflation-adjusted? Yes, that's, oh, that's what, great. That's what it is. That's good. The gain was somewhat less than the 2.7 advance economists expected, but high enough to keep investors positive. And I think more importantly, people were probably thinking that uh, it's relieving their concerns about a double-dip recession. Right. And so some positive sign. Um, the U.S. employment market, initial claims for unemployment benefits last week dropped by 2,000 point, uh, 2,000 to seasonally adjusted 402,000 for the week ending October 22nd. Wow. Um, you know what? The uh, National Association of Realtors seasonally adjusted index for pending sales of existing homes sank in September to the lowest level in five months. So that's uh, not a, exactly a good deal, I guess. Right. Corporate news, um, Procter & Gamble making Pro- Procter & Gamble sorry, uh, was down a little bit, making the consumer products company the only blue chip component in negative territory. Huh. Uh, Procter & Gamble reported better than expected first quarter results, but offered a lower out- outlook for the full year sales growth yeah um, so let's just go through some of the uh, I mean, you get a little bit of good news here I guess in the, primarily in the, in the European situation but go through some of those asset classes Ethan sure sure uh, starting off we, we talked about already about the uh, US large cap space love you large caps. Uh, S&P was about 3% uh, large cap value I see is up about 3.5% uh, small cap stocks up 5% today uh, micro cap stocks up 5.26% today 
and I've already mentioned the IFA and the large cap international value up about 5.5 each. Uh, emerging markets had a strong day as well, almost 6% for the day. Uh, emerging market small caps over fi- over 6% for the day. And then uh, domestic real estate about 4.75%. Uh, Global real estate up 4.7%. Th- these are days you don't want to miss. <laughs> markets up, you know, you get uh, you know, 10-year treasury rights at, what is that, going to be at... Uh, you know, like 3, 2%, I think, yeah. in your treasury, right? Something like that. You got how many years of return in today in a couple of these asset classes? Pretty amazing. Uh, other things like uh, treasuries, though, they were down, actually, today in terms of prices. Uh, the intermediate term treasury down about half percent. Uh, tips down about 0.6%. And then, um, boy, interesting, too, with the junk bonds, they up, up about one7 And even emerging market debt up 2.57% today. It's pretty good. Pretty amazing. Uh, pretty good. Was there any other? Did you talk about uh, diversified commodities? Oh, sorry. I think I, I think I missed uh, that one, but I, have, I do have it here. Percent today. Yep, two point nine seven percent today. Yeah, uh, the Barclays, uh, GSP. I think gold was up a little bit, but not quite that much. So yeah. that's an interesting uh, situation there. Yeah, it's an interesting trend. Uh, you know, with the returns over for last quarter, the third quarter of uh, two thousand eleven. Looking at all the asset classes, as we mentioned on the show, you had a situation where uh, the U.S. was was the best performing equity asset class, basically, for the whole quarter. Uh, and the worst performing asset classes were the emerging markets, right, the international small right, cap value. Right. And the more aggressive asset classes, that you know, they, they just basically went down more than the S&P over that one period of time. But as things have rebounded here, as, as you can see today as an example, the, the rebound was even stronger in those asset classes, which previously had done worse, which is part of the reason why we recommend... Sticking with an allocation, right? Let's, let's step outside of the, uh, back into the office here. Okay. Um, which I, I think that's something I, I would like to talk about, Ethan, is uh, days like this just reaffirm what we've been saying for a long, long period of time, which is that you should really design a portfolio that's got a mix of risk and return characteristics that will meet your objectives over, a, over the time horizon you have. Right. And and stick with that, not make very quick movements, uh, emotional react reactive movements, um, because as things look grim, right? It's easy to want to get out, and then you have a day like today where you miss out on, you know, like you said, in emerging markets, well, six six yeah. seven percent exactly. in one day. That's right. Um, how fast those asset classes can recover. And uh, for us, we build these globally diversified portfolios, and we have different levels of exposure to what we believe are uh, return premium asset classes. So our most aggressive equity uh, portfolio has a weighting towards emerging markets and a weighting towards smaller companies, uh, which, again, when the market declines individually, those asset classes can be pretty volatile and they can go down pretty heavily. But if you have a a very long time horizon um, and you can maintain a longer-term perspective, you know, it's you see how quickly these areas can recover. We saw it in 2009. Yeah, I was just going to comment on that. It's yes, different. I would love that. It's a different type of thing. Like we've had the the credit crisis here now in Europe. That's still ongoing, although it appears to be moving toward a happier resolution. The credit crisis in in the U.S. here back in 2008, 2009. Those types of risks are are systemic risks. And when you have a situation where you're dealing with systemic risks, as we we saw in the last crisis, and, and, and it reemerged here the most recent crisis that the the highest most risky asset classes among stocks tend to perform worse during that period of time relative to things like 
the U.S. S&P large cap stocks. Um, but as things rebound, as things don't work out as bad as expected to be, um, we, we're seeing it again today that those, again, those riskier asset classes that uh, we include in our portfolios tend to do better. So I thought we could talk, you know, let's move from into how do you benchmark? Uh, we had wrote a paper quite some time, and again, you can go to empiricalfs.com. That's empiricalfs.com, and there's a resource section with some papers, and I think there's one titled Performance Benchmarking. Yep. Um, but most in, where investors make big mistakes, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, um, but one of those big mistakes is that they they don't understand what they should expect uh, from their portfolio. And so when you make a change to portfolio, because the portfolio does what it should do, right? that's not a smart way to adjust the portfolio. And let me help illustrate that, Ethan. Okay. If, if we were to look at um, 100% globally diversified stock uh, portfolio, and we call it our empirical um, targeted premium three, for example, okay. um, or moderately targeted premium. So if you took the world index and you just had some moderate weights, extra weighting towards emerging markets or small or value in those higher returning asset classes, uh, if we took a time period from January of 1970 through the end of September last month, the annual rate of uh, return on, on that portfolio was about 12.34% gross of any advisor fees, for example. So we're just using funds and then linking back to indexes to get back there. But we are subtracting out mutual fund expenses in there. Right. Um, but what you see there is, is a return since that start date of about 12.34%. Uh, S&P 500 over the same period of time, say, nine, has returned about 9.56% per year. But if we said, hey, how should I evaluate if I was going to be in that all-equity portfolio and I was just starting, I just hired you, and I said, I want Ethan, I want to, you're a genius, you know, and uh, I can't beat the value that you that you bring to the table here, and I'd love to have you as my personal financial advisor. I'm going to give you a couple million bucks to start. We'll see how you do. But uh, <laughs> if I did do that, right, and I said, hey, Ethan, um, so you told me this thing has done about 12% plus over the last 40-some years. Um, what I expect in the first three months that I would get 12%, and if I didn't, I'd let you go. Uh, would I expect that to happen in the first year, the first five years, the first 10 years? And I think this is where people get caught because they look at the annual average return of some investment, yeah, and then they say, hey, if I don't get that, something's wrong. Right. Um, or if I don't get something that's positive in the first short period of time, then maybe something's wrong. Well, part of that is knowing what to expect. Um, and if we look at this, if we looked at that globally diversified portfolio, we'd see that in any period of time, um, in a, a three-month period of time, well, what do we got, one minute? One minute. Okay. Um, you'd see a return range from a positive 38%. Uh, to a return range of negative 37% in that all-equity portfolio in a three-month period. That's a huge range of returns. Wow, really? Um, no kidding. Yeah, exactly. So you, and if we go out to the first year, and we'll, I'd like to get back into this when we come back from the break, because okay. I think it's so critically important. 
for for investors to understand right um, whether they're trying to go it alone or if they are getting the value of working with someone um, it's about setting the expectations correctly as to what kind of results you would expect to see over what period of time right um, and if if you're getting the results that you would expect to see you shouldn't ab- never abandon a sound strategy you know something that's working exactly how it should right? it, you would yeah. only abandon it if it's working not working the way it should and we can talk about that so we're going to take a quick break we'll get back to this and uh, we'll be right back thank you Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment rising to levels not seen since the Great Depression. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, and we're back. Uh, Empirical Investing Radio co-host Ethan Broga, uh, across from Ken Smith here. If you'd like to reach us today, we are doing the show live, um, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at 
888-528-5790. Or if you prefer, my favorite method of communication, email, uh, contact at empiradio.com. And uh, Ken, before the break, we were talking about our portfolios and trying to can they text you directly, Ethan? If you give them, want to give them your cell phone number, there. Uh, yeah, no, I left my cell phone in my <laughs> other my office actually. So, okay. no, not today, and maybe next time. Okay. No, but before the break, though, um, we were talking about. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, a range of re- understanding the range of returns, what to expect within a, a, the context of our portfolios, at least, and kind of framing that discussion as to hey, what's what's reasonable to expect when you are investing in an all-stock portfolio or, or, or a portfolio of any kind. And I think you had a pretty unique way of uh, describing that. Okay, yeah. I So I was just going over our kind of middle-of-the-road, globally diversified equity, empirical equity portfolio. And um, what I was saying, uh, Ethan, is that certainly if, if, you, if you were to invest in, in an all-equity, which is you, you should be prepared for volatility with with that portfolio. No question. But even in the first three, within a three month period, which is a pretty short period of time, you could see a range of returns from positive thirty eight percent if we just use history as a guide. And here we're only going back to nineteen seventy. These numbers would expand if we incorporated nineteen twenty six, but it's harder to get globally diversified portfolio data all the way back to 26. So right. we're just going to focus on the 40-some-plus years of data. But what you'd see is you'd have a the best single three-month period of time that you can create is a positive 38%, mm-hmm. which would be a phenomenal rate of return to experience in a three-month period of time. <laughs> no but it actually did occur. Um, and uh, by the way, do you know when that when that occurred? Uh, just a little trivia here. Positive 38%? Yeah. Let me guess. I want to say... Uh, 70, are you looking at the data? I'm not. 74? Between 68. Um, uh, I'm guessing 74 somewhere. It, it, it actually occurred the three-month in March uh, of 2009. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So when was wow. the when did the market bottom? It was March 9th, 2009. It's right. So you had, in the entire 41-year period, you had the best three months after, at the bottom of the of the, res, of the financial crisis, crisis coming out of that. That's um, incredible. Now, the worst period of time, however, preceded that, and that was in September of 2008. And you saw in a three-month period a decline on the all-equity of 37% on a globally diversified portfolio. Wow. Um, now, another way of looking at that, you say, well, those are the that's the most extreme range, right, we could get. Yep. But if you said, well, what if we threw out some of the um, – Five percent of the worst cases, and we stuck with ninety-five percent of the time. What's the range I would expect to see? Yeah, that range would shrink between on a three-month a positive fifteen percent, um, and uh, on the downside, typically ninety-five percent of the time, you would experience an eleven percent decline or less. Yep. So, um, pretty amazing that you know we went through that that historical period of time. Right. That is crazy. But let's go out to a year, and then I, I don't want to drag this out all day here, but I just wanted to get the point that in a, in a particular single year, if we focus again, we'll focus on the 95% of the time. Um, you might see a range of positive 40% and a, uh, to um, 95% of the time, again, negative 13% in that first year. Uh, at hmm. the very, very worst, it was a negative 50%. Wow. Again, that was through the crisis, so... My point would be, though, um, if we go out, I'm going to skip, we have it for 5, 10, 20, and all the way up. But if we go 30-year periods of time, 95% of the time, 
Your best 30-year chunk of time was a positive 16% annual return over a 30-year period. And your worst was 12.4%. Right? <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Now, that's a range of returns that would allow you, a lot of people, to get where they need to go. Right? You, nobody, if, if we were looking at this and said, hey, what, what were the worst case scenarios I could create? Right. Um, it's not, hey, for 30 years, the range was so spread so wide, right, that um, if you fell in that range, you'd be pretty happy. And you should say, hey, this just worked out pretty nicely. But it wouldn't be reasonable to apply a 30-year range to a three-month period or a one-year period or a five-year period, right? Correct. But most people don't understand what their portfolio should do over those specific time horizons. And that really the benchmark that should be used is the range of historical, the historical range of returns that you would have experienced with that given portfolio over the time period that you are, you have gone through. So if I started today with you, Ethan, gave you my million dollars and said, Hey, I want you to do the best job you can and you use all the best science that's out there to build me a diversified portfolio. Mm-hmm. If I want those kinds of long-term returns on an all-equity portfolio, I need to realize that over the, the at the end of year one, I could see a positive 40 to a negative 13% return, and that would cover 95% of the outcomes right. that I would expect to see. That's It's going to be hard for me to go, well, you told me this thing did 12%, and I wound up getting you know 5%. You're fired. Um, it wouldn't be reasonable because what you're trying to do is now, if we were buying a single stock, it could be the yeah. range would be completely different. It could go from zero to zero, where you lose everything, negative 100%, right? Um, to positive 1,000%, you know, theoretically speaking. Mm-hmm. So, in any one of these portfolios, if you if you did something that was only 30% um, stock but then you took that equity and made it pretty aggressive, uh, you'd expect to see a range of returns, again, um, historically speaking, that in, a, in any one, the first year that you invested, your range of returns could be 95% of the time, it'll be between 25% and negative 1.5%. Um, if we count for 100% of the occurrences, it'd be positive 37 to negative 17. You know, something so, interesting that I see in this, these numbers here is that if you look at, say, the first one year, right, yeah. going back to the 100% equity portfolio that you have, um, the, the the best scenario is up 40%, and the worst, well, I guess in terms of the 95 percentiles anyway, uh, and the worst case scenario is down 13% uh, among the 95 percentiles. Mm-hmm. They're not equal, right? It isn't like you got 13% negative and 13% positive, and the average is zero. The average is higher than, than zero, and only that, the odds of getting a, a positive return or, or a, a substantially high return is is much more likely than getting a negative return. And, and you look at the ten year data, or the twenty year data; they're all positive numbers, regardless of the uh, percentile it's at. I, I think that's that's fascinating. It's a positively skewed, basically, the data in terms of positive investment returns. Yes, that is true, Ethan. I, I, I cannot argue with that. I just find it fascinating. Ah, and you know, here if you were looking at, hey, I'm just going to buy one month Treasury bills for the last forty. Uh, 41 plus years, your, your your range of returns, right, from best to worst was zero <laughs> on the worst um, to positive 
15% in, in one year increments because we went through some really, really high interest rates there. That was back in uh, 1980. But uh, in, in terms of 20 year ranges, right, it's positive. Worst was 3.2, po- best uh, positive 7.7. My point is, if you if you calculate that those twenty and thirty year returns, you can take the best possible return on treasury bills, and it's still lower than the worst thirty year period on the globally diversified equity portfolio. Oh, wow. So remember, the globally diversified equity portfolio, the empirical model, was the worst thirty years was the twelve percent yeah um, rate of return, and. Uh, uh, um, so I just want to verify that. Oh, where was I? Yeah, the five percentile was uh, twelve. Twelve point four, ninety-five percent of the occurrences. Right. Um, so I'm just saying that you have to. Because uh, have you ever heard an investor say, "Well, I could have been in CDs for the last year and done better than my equity portfolio did, or my sixty percent stock and forty percent bond portfolio did?" Yeah, sure. And it's a huge mistake to think that way um, because you're not understanding. The characteristics of each of those and how they would react over single years. If you thought that you were range bound to get a return better than your CD over a single year period, um, you, you didn't go into it with the right perspective of how the, how it works, how the statistics work on that. Yeah, I mean, in reality, you're, you're exchanging the certainty of a very low return in the treasuries with the, the possibility, anyway, of having a substantially higher return when you do when you exchange the, the risk free asset for a risky asset. So it isn't reasonable, I mean, in terms of certainly making investment decisions to make that trade-off um, and then act on that. Yeah. But especially being aware of the data. All right. Well, so you have to use the right time period and match the range of returns over each of those time periods. What would I expect in one year, five year, 10 year, 23, two? Uh, oh, wow. Are we out of time again? Yep. Okay. When we come back, I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about um, this 401k rule change and, and what's going on with people and their confidence about retirement. Sounds good. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. We're in our last segment here. And, uh, Ethan, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about 401k plans from this news I just uh, read about uh, more 401k plans and IRAs may offer investing advice. And uh, before I re- kind of read through the what the uh, article says about the changes and the rules there, and, uh, again, this is our short segment, so we'll have to kind of be quick on this. But uh, I, I saw another article I wanted to uh, to pull out here that talked a little bit about um, the current uh, state of affairs with uh, people's co- with individuals' confidence about retirement. Okay. Uh, it says retirement confidence at record lows because you remember I mentioned this a few months ago on the show uh, about the study that was done a couple years ago, and. Um, it says the number of Americans who lack confidence about their ability to achieve a comfortable retirement has reached a new high. According to a study conducted by the Employee Benefit Research Institute, EBRI, a Washington, D.C.-based organization that conducts research on economic security and employee benefits, the 2011 study found that 27% of workers were not at all confident about retirement up five percentage points from 2010 to the highest level in the study's 20-year history, Ethan. Wow. Those with savings of less than $100,000 showed the biggest increase in their lack of confidence. In 2003, 43% of people with less than $25,000 in savings said they were not confident about retirement, and that's up from 19% in 2007. 22% of the respondents with between $25,000 and $99,000 said they were not confident about retirement compared with 7% in 2007. Uh, Meanwhile, the number of respondents who said they were very confident about having a comfortable retirement was only 13%. So you have 13% of people who are very confident that they're going to have a comfortable retirement. And that is the lowest level ever measured by the study, Ethan. (laughs) Wow. Which means guys like you have their work cut out for them. No question. Because our goal is to have, uh, I'd love to have 100% of our population confident that they're going to be able to have a comfortable retirement. doesn't mean that we all have to be Warren Buffett type billionaires or Bill Gates. It just means that we don't have to worry about, you know, being in a homeless shelter. You know, that (laughs) that we should be able to have a, a satisfactory retirement and and interest more interesting is uh they go on in the study to say that um while everyone seems to be so worried uh few of them are saying that they're saving more toward retirement um so they're just planning on working longer and working during retirement is kind of what they're the conclusion that they're coming to but also uh very few of them and that was the crux of the other study have done anything to determine what they actually need to retire. Right. In terms of, hey, how much money do I need to save and and uh, to get me there? And so, um, hopefully, if you are in that category, give us a call. I know we are offering free retirement 
makeovers here, free retirement analysis for you for That's listening right. to the show and tuning in. And we'd ha- be happy to help you determine what you need to save, what vehicles you should be saving in that best uh, accommodate the tax code in your personal tax situation. We'd love to help you with that. And equally importantly, what type of investments should you use based on your risk tolerance and the time frame you have and your capacity to take on investment risk? And how should you diversify among the choices? Right. <clears throat> and that kind of leads into the other uh, piece of news that I was reading about, which was the, the change in the uh, – says more. this is from MarketWatch. More retirement savers get personalized investment advice through their 401k plan. Thanks to a new rule announced by the U.S. Department of uh, Labor on Monday. The rule allows 401k and IRA investment advisors to give advice to the people investing in the plan, even if those advisors receive fees from the companies providing the investments, as long as one of two conditions is met to avoid a conflict of interest. The rule doesn't change the fact that employers already can and many do hire independent investment advisors to offer fee-based advice to 401k plan participants. About half the companies surveyed by plan sponsor Council of America Trade Group already offer advice. The question is whether providers who have bundled 401k solutions will take advantage of this to add advice to their menus. As it goes on, it's pretty interesting. Ethan, I know we don't have a lot of time, and I want to get your view about the difference between you know, where you should be getting the advice from. Yeah. But the Labor Department estimates that under the new rule, retirement savers' greater use of investment advice will reduce the cost of investment mistakes by $7 billion to $18 billion annually. Wow. So these are documented. I'm assuming the Labor Department's done some research here. <laughs> they have to be, right? To determine that people are making investment mistakes. And I'd love to get more details on what those mistakes are being identified are. We, we kind of have used that Dalbar study to... Yeah say, hey, equity investors aren't getting equity returns. Yeah, we know that's uh, Bond investors true. aren't getting bond returns right? Uh, because they're making big mistakes. They're pulling in and out at the worst possible times. They're chasing the hot right. performing stuff after it's done well, right. only to get subsequently uh, to get poor performance and start the process all over again. Um, so what do you think, Ethan, I mean, in terms of getting advice on your 401k? You know, I'm a little surprised that the, that it's got to be fee based. That's I'm surprised it's not just fee only. Like, it's nice they identify that hey, 100% commission isn't a good structure for a good environment for the right type of 401k uh, recommendations to be made. But uh, I'm surprised that there's still even the, the fee based stuff in there. I, I thought that they'd go a little step further and do something where hey, it's fee only, where the, the person who is providing the advice isn't getting a nickel from the investments they 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 recommend to clients. Well, they're saying that as long as if you qualify for the to qualify for the exemption, you have to get compensated on a level fee basis. So it means that they receive uh, the fees that the provider receives can't vary based on the investments. So, oh, okay. Uh, I guess the idea here is if you're using mutual funds that are giving kickbacks, as long as it's the same kickback, um, you're okay. As long as they're all paying high kickbacks, that's okay. Um, and so, where we have a problem with that is we don't <laughs> think. I'm assuming that you have a problem with that in that we don't think that the investments should be paying for the advice. That's exactly right. The advice should be separated and isolated and charged uh, in whatever way that is if the company is going to go ahead and charge to have uh, pay to have an advisor come in and provide objective advice. 
Because that doesn't change the uh, fact of whoever's determining which funds are going to be on the platform. Exactly right. Um, might want to say, hey, let's just make sure that they're all evenly, equally high expense funds. Well, that's exactly what they're going to do. But on the upshot, we can give advice because we get, you can trust because we're not tempted to go into one fund versus another. They're all high, right. high, highly expensive funds, or, right. or we're generating the advice off that. So our view would be that if you are, and we do work with 401k, so if you're a company that has that situation, I'd love to... Uh, Take a look at what you're paying in terms of expenses and the types of portfolios and funds and advice you get. Yeah, and or if you're a, an individual who has a, a personal choice retirement account, we, can, we also manage or help uh, folks with those as well. But our objective there is to provide the best diversification possible at the lowest possible cost and then have any of the advice be completely unrelated to the investments that we've selected inside that 401k. That's exactly right. And I think that is the best possible combination of, uh, of how investment advice and, and the investment management should be delivered in the 401k context. Yeah, in that context, like for us, for example, we, we literally are unlimited uh, virtually from any investment we, we don't recommend to our clients. It can be on the institutional side. It can be on the retail side. Any tools that are out there, we have the ability to go and get and, and utilize. So we're going to be able to sift through the stuff and prevent only what we think is the best per per category, regardless of uh, you know where it is, if it's if it's iShares, if it's Vanguard, if it's Janus 20 Funds, whatever, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And that's kind of nice, I think. It's a, a big, important factor in, in making the best and smartest decisions you can with your investments. Well, Ethan, in, in, uh, we've got about a minute here. In conclusion, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, well, on that particular topic, just to reiterate what we said, uh, I, I wish they had gone a little farther. Um, I think it makes... Uh, the fee only is, the, from my view, the, the way to go, um, particularly if you're uh, on the receiving end. You know, if you're the if you're the client or you're the you're the consumer out there, you, you want to look for fee only. In that environment, your your advisors are allowed to provide the best possibility of a conflict free advice, and so um, that'd be my strong recommendations to look for that. Okay. Well, thanks for tuning in once again, and uh, we'll be right back at it next week. Sounds good. So. Have a great week, and uh, thanks for listening to Empirical Investing Radio. We'll see you later. enjoyed empirical investing radio with ken smith and ethan broga please join us again next thursday afternoon at 5 p.m eastern time and 2 p.m pacific time on the voice america business channel and for more information about empirical investing radio please call 800-923-4307 we'll see you next week